Welcome everyone to our morning service this morning. We're glad that you're here, uh, and uh, we hope that you didn't didn't slide off the road trying to get here this morning. Uh, we don't want anything to happen to anyone. But thank you for being here, being part of our morning worship this morning. Uh, one announcement before we get into our service this morning: Philip Coates' brother uh, Lynn passed away yesterday. Uh, we want to remember that family as we pray this week. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our service together in prayer. Our Father, we are truly thankful for all of the many things that you've done for us. And Father, thank you for protecting us through the, uh, the last few days where we've had a lot of ice and snow and slippery roads. Thank you for protecting us. Father, as we enter into our service today, we pray that we will turn and, and worship you in a manner that's pleasing in your sight. We pray that you'll be with the Coates family as they deal with their loss. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. First song this morning will be a wonderful Savior. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to be. He died my soul in the flesh of the rock, where winds of pleasure I see. 
another Lord day morning assembly we're thankful Father for the safety that we travel here Father we thank you for our comfortable building Father where we can worship thee and we pray that our worship this day will be pleasing in thy sight we're thankful for each one that's here 
that the blessing be upon them and be with them after a service day they'd be safely trip back home. We're thankful, Father, for our daily needs of food, of clothing. We're thankful for our health and our happiness. Thank you for our warm, dry, comfortable houses we live in during this inclement weather, Father. We're thankful, Father, for Brother Ken and Anita. Ask our blessings be upon them. Pray for Ken as he brings the lesson hour that we give him a good memory study. And each one of us take the thing he said and try to be a better people in our lives. We pray for the sick. Those of our number, those that have asked for interest in our prayer, Father, we ask our blessing be upon them, Father. We pray for our elders, pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. Ask the Father that would forgive us any sin that might be against us as we repent and turn from those things, Father. And when our life is always our prayer that we give us home with Thee in Christ's name, Amen. Imitation song will be Just As I Am. And the song before the lesson this morning will be Count Your Blessings. If you'd like to do so, you can go ahead and stand as we sing this song. Chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you.
Good morning to everybody. Well, it's slick out there, but not as slick as it has been. And I hope and pray that we were very careful in getting in our spots and that when we leave today, we will leave just as carefully. Still dangerous, although it's melting. And I'm just selfishly, I was thinking as we were singing that song, Count Your Blessings, there were a handful of things that we thought about when we moved here. One was grandbabies. And many of you have been asking about progress. And I will tell you that our daughter, Casey, who is first in line for a grandkid, is in the hospital today. So we are hopeful that within the next, I don't know, how long does it take? day or two, <laughs> that we'll have a little grandbaby. So we're very excited about that. So that was one thing. The other thing, you may not be as happy about this, but when we lived at the coast, we never even got a coat out. It, it seemed like it was hot all the time. And so we longed for that day when we could live in a place where there'd be a little snow. And so that's been in the back of our minds. Now, now watch, just celebrate with me for a minute. Within the same few days, we had this debilitating snow and ice storm and a grandbaby. So it's all kind of happened all at once. We're just dizzy with delight. But I hope it didn't inconvenience you too much. And I know that, boy, those folks in Texas have really suffered. And those who were without power and water, we pray that those things will be restored quickly. But for us... It was more of an inconvenience of travel. And someone said, well, it's given us time just to take a break. So I hope you enjoyed that. But this week we'll be getting back to it. Thank you for being here and for taking whatever risk it was to assemble together as the body of Christ. And in that we can rejoice. Today, the title is Count Your Blessings. And of course, the song that we just sang had to do with counting your blessings. I'm going to have a little bit of a twist on that idea today, deriving from the text that was written, read for us, and also one you're already familiar with, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. But before we start that, let's pray that God will bless us in our study together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful to you for the blessing and the privilege it is to be able to assemble here and to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Father, that you are eliminating from our minds anything that will get in the way of that. And Lord, I pray that you will bless us now as we're entering into this period of worship where we open up your word and our intention is not just to to study it for understanding, but for that word to be so alive in us that it changes us. Lord, I pray we're open to that and that we are malleable. You are able to mold us like we are clay. So help these scriptures to do just that, to mold us and make us after your will. Lord, we do. I'm sure we do stop from time to time and count our blessings. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me today to explain how it's not just about counting the blessings that come into us, but also of those blessings that go out from us. Thank you for what you'll teach us about that today. Help me to teach it well and be with our hearers that they'll understand it in spite of my frailties. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that, that is a sensational text, isn't it? Luke 6, 38. And what, what's so sensational about it is the imagery that is used to prove by just a few words the idea, the process of giving and, and of blessings from God. Give, and it will be given to you, but look how it comes back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I like that. So I can give 
and it will be given to me. But his point is, well, understand, yeah, that's going to be true, but how are you giving? Because the degree to which you give is the way in which that giving is going to come back to you, if you are so minded. But I would couple that, I mentioned, with Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, a text that we studied in its own right just a few weeks ago. And that is the passage where the Apostle Paul is quoting Jesus as having said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. We might wonder why that is. I was just sharing with you what I considered to be some blessings in my own life. And I am so happy to receive those gifts. In fact, the truth is, I really didn't put anything in to receive those blessings. I'm receiving the blessing of a granddaughter, Lord willing. I've received the blessing of beautiful snow and ice. Don't hate me, but... I think that's great. But when we stop to count our blessings, it's more than that, isn't it? There is in our bathroom, or used to be in our bathroom, a little plaque. I saw it every day. I even sang it to the tune of Count Your Blessings, but it was was different from that lyrically. It said, Count Your Blessings, Family, Faith, and Friends. So I would just use those. Simply, I guess, because I was distracted by the saying on the wall. But after a while, I realized those are the things that really matter to us as blessings. Not just that, oh, Lord, thank you. I didn't get the speeding ticket when the police officer saw me speeding. Okay, I feel blessed, but I can't hardly qualify that as one of those life-changing blessings from God. When I look at those, I'm thinking that exact sentiment on the plaque on the wall. Family, faith, friends. My relationships, and especially my relationship with God. Now, what is God looking for in us? Is he looking for us to make bargains with him? Even this idea of the text... So, okay, Ken, if I want great blessings, are you telling me that the scripture is encouraging me to give more so that I can get more? Well, this is not that kind of relationship. In fact, Jesus, when he was trying to gain disciples, opened this way in Luke chapter 9. He said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. (laughs) You know, you don't open that way if you're trying to promote a, you become a disciple, I will fill up your coffers. That, that isn't God's idea of giving and benevolence and sharing and blessing that we find in the scriptures. In fact, really, what this sermon intends to do is to turn that on its head. I don't want us to, as the song indicates, to count the blessings that are coming in. That's easy enough to do. What I want us to strive to do better is to look at the blessings that we are sending out. Because part of the caveat of these teachings is the blessing is not so much in what you're getting. The blessing is the way in which you are distributing or extending that blessing out from you as a recipient to someone else. Really, the idea is the more I do that, that's the abundance, the more God will pour back into me with the expectation, well, you already get it, the expectation that I'm going to continue to be a conduit through which God's blessings are going to reach others. So if we're going to talk about counting these kinds of blessings, I guess we would want to know what a a blessing is to begin with. A blessing is basically what I would call a hopeful prayer. In our case, as I'm stressing it this morning, it's the desire that I have to bring God's favor or God's goodness into your life. 
I've been the recipient of that, but I want to share that with you. I want to extend that to you in some way. Perhaps the most famous of those blessings is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24, 25, 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, I've used that text in almost, I, I can't say for sure if it's been everyone, but certainly in almost every wedding that I've ever conducted. And I can't think of any time where I messed up using that text except this one time. And that was the time when I was marrying my son and my daughter-in-law. I had gone through the entire service thinking in my mind, I'm nearly to the end. I've held myself together emotionally. I'm going to be good. This is, this is the final stretch. And after this, it's just celebration and I'm off the hook. But I mentioned this text of blessing and I began it this way. The Lord bless you and curse you. And I heard myself say it. And so I stopped and I said, did I really say that? And they, of course, they erupted in laughter. Thank you. And I was able then to reset and get back through that text. This text is not said as though it is a rote memory sort of expression of blessing. This is a famous blessing because of its import, its impact. When this blessing was given, it was considered to be the ultimate expression of blessing from one to another. In this case, upon a nation of people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The idea of God's favor and protection over a people. I tell you, I want God's favor and God's protection, don't you? In fact, in just about every prayer I utter, there's some semblance of that idea in the prayer itself. We're constantly begging God to favor us or to protect us in some way. Jesus, even in his prayer of example, prayed that God would keep us from the evil one. I need God's help. And I need that blessing for sure. And then there's the idea of God's face smiling toward us. The sense of God's pleasure and acceptance of what we are doing. So this blessing, uh, as indicated by that, is being delivered to someone who is walking in step with God. It's not a surprise that we're in this relationship, so I'm expecting God to smile upon me. And it is also an expression of graciousness, which is seeking God's mercy and His compassion upon us. Now, those are two expressions that I deeply need, and probably you do too. I need God to extend His mercy because I'm a sinner. And I desperately don't want to receive what I deserve. So I pray that God will show mercy on me and withhold those severest punishments. And I need His compassion, which I see best expressed through Jesus. I need Him to suffer with me. And then the idea of his lifting his countenance upon us, it is like he was involved in something else until the blessing came, and then we got his attention. And I know that for the righteous, God's eyes are over us, and his ears, the scripture says, are open to their prayers. I know that I have God's attention and peace. A sense of in this blessing, relief, I know he's with me. And now I can go on with it. I'm not filled with anxiety because I know the Lord is with me. He's watching over me. He favors me. 
those kinds of blessings, that, that's what we're thinking about as, as my heart, your heart, is being extended to another person. I want to be, in some ways, the catalyst by which the blessings of God, which have been showered upon me, now are being directed toward you. Let's count those kinds of blessings. So in what ways, then, can we bless others? And I would begin with who the others are. How do I bless these others? Well, can others who? How about the idea that we can bless God? Wait, you say. Stop. Then we just go through an exercise by which we were looking at being a conduit through which God's blessings are showered. Yes, that is true. But don't forget that as the recipient of God's blessings, there is great thanks that comes from us. And in our expression of thanks, it is the blessing that is directed toward God. Now, what do I mean by that? I was thinking about the opening of Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything that is within me, bless his holy name. Okay, a lot lot of points that can come out of that text. One is, I already noticed that the one I'm addressing is the holy God. So in a lot of ways, in my sinful condition, even filled with this thanksgiving that I have, I am ill-equipped to approach Him, but I am so thankful and I'm so filled with this gratitude and recognition of how great He is that I just, you know, I just can't withhold it. I just want to pour out my recognition of God as being so great and every every ounce of me wants to respond to the blessings that He's given with thanksgiving and extolling of His greatness and His holiness. He is so, so good. Habakkuk said that in response to God, the whole earth ought to just be silent before Him. Habakkuk 2, verse 20. Nothing, though, has expressed in us that greatness of God and the need to be thankful than, you know, the reason we come together at all. That's Jesus. Isn't that right? Isn't it Jesus who has touched us so much that, first of all, we even have access to God and then... We want to be thankful and grateful to God. And yet so many people want the idea of a God, uh, some greater power, without a recognition of Jesus at all. Because Jesus is the one who makes it real, our responsibility to God. Not just saying thank you, but living a life of thanks toward God. So when God sees Jesus, here's how he acts in response to what Jesus did. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How how am I best going to glorify God? Well, it's recognizing who Jesus is and humbling myself to Him and then naming that name. And he says, you know what? There, There are people who don't now, but they will. So my connection to Jesus makes that so real for me. My lifting up and praising God and blessing Him, as our text said, And then as regards that blessing, there are some things that come in the wake of it. For instance, in Psalm 103, verse 2, we are to remember the mighty works, the good things that God has done. In remembrance, we, we are attaching what has happened to God, and we're not forgetting who is responsible for the outcome. And in verse 17, it is the sense of fear and awe before this this amazing God that we serve. How in the world is it that I've become a beneficiary of His blessings when I'm so small and He is so great? And then 
seeing myself in that place, what else could I do but, verse 18, just to obey him? And then, verse 21, to be the person who does his will. Okay, so, yeah, I'm filled with blessings that I want to extend to God, but in response to what God has done, the greatest blessing, the greatest sense of gratitude that I could give him is in remembering what he's done and then getting busy with what he has asked me to do. I bless God that way. I can also bless my, my family. Let me back up. I can bless my family. So this is an interesting thing that happens. It's in Genesis chapter 49 at verse 28. Now the whole thing unfolds later. But in this, this case, we've got Jacob who blesses each one of them with their particular, their own blessing. Wait, Ken, what's context of that? What, what, what is Jacob blessing? What's going on here? Jacob is about to die. And so Jacob, as many of the patriarchs of his time did, he would gather his children together, in particular his sons, his heirs, and he would do two things. He would bless them with a blessing, according to our text, that was specific to them. And then here, Jacob had the prophetic ability, and so in addition to the blessing that he would give, he also was foretelling what was going to be happening with them. And I think that's beautiful because it does two things. It told those boys exactly what was going to happen with their lives. What had happened up until now was pretty well going to be the reason why what was following was going to happen. So here's your blessing. Here's what's going to happen to you. One, that tells them what to expect. Number two... And think about this if you are a father. You've come to the end of your life. You have your children, the bearers of your name for the future, before you. And now as you are sharing with them what's going to happen to their life, you're also, by virtue of being the spokesman here, telling yourself what it is you've been serving as a father for all these years. I'm blessing you. But now let's talk together about what's going to happen here on out. I'm not going to be with you. But boy, I sure do hope that in the life I've lived with you, that you're prepared for and then this. What a discussion. Have you ever sat down with your children? Or your spouse? Or your parents, maybe? Ever just sat down and talked about your prayers, your hopes and dreams, where you want it to go from here? We don't have a prophetic ability, but I think it's still healthy, don't you? We know where we've been and what has led up to the moment where we are right now. But what now? What's next? Jacob's blessings to his sons was, in a nutshell, all of that. An opportunity to reminisce and an opportunity to think ahead. If I would do that for my family, and I hope that you will, but if I would do that for my fleshly family, wouldn't I also do that for the church? I mean, that's what we're thinking about today as the body. The Apostle Paul, when he thought about churches he was interacting with, he had that mindset. I know where we've been, and here is my hope for where we will go from this point on. Philippians. To the Philippian church, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. So I'm asking God on your benefit, but I'm asking God, and if you're requesting things of God, that is anticipating a future. I am anticipating for you a joyful future on the basis of the things I'm praying for right now. I am hopeful 
with you. Paul, of course, speaking from a prison cell. And if that were not enough, he relates to them the prayer, beginning at verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Who's the beneficiary in those relationships? Who's ultimately the beneficiary when I sit down with my children or my spouse or my parent and talk about the expectation of the future? Who's really the beneficiary when I care about my church brothers and sisters? I'll tell you, it's God who is glorified in that. The blessings still flowing. And then we can also bless what the Bible calls the stranger. And now I was thinking about a stranger situation, and this is the one that popped in my head. It's from Luke chapter 2. Specifically thinking about verses 34 and 35, it's the interchange that happens with a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon is blessing Joseph and Mary. And he is prophetically expounding on the idea of the Son of God and the blessings that are going to flow out of Jesus, this Son of theirs, the only begotten Son of God. But I'm thinking with you about how I've been blessed and how I extend the blessing. And here are Joseph and Mary. They're receiving, and I don't know if you you noticed it from the text, but they're receiving blessing from a very, very old man. Very old. And he has hung on to life for this moment. In fact, if anybody ever lived for a moment, it was Simeon. He has hung on to life so that he might meet and see the Messiah and give this blessing. And of course that happens. But what about Joseph and Mary? Joseph and Mary are, I mean, compared to Simeon, they are young people. They got a brand new baby. Who do they want to talk with? I know what it's like in our society. Our society tends to want to think of youthfulness, the vibrance of youth and the strength and the beauty and all of that. We, we sell products based on youthfulness and on and on you go. We, we put this value on that. And as we get older, you know, we, we want to do something, try and look younger. Or we say, you're, you're only as old as you feel or as, as old as you think. In the back of my mind, I think, well, I still think I'm 25. And then we climb up on the roof and fall off and go to the emergency room. That's, you know, let's be real about it, right? We, we're living and we're getting older and we're progressing. I love the way Joseph and Mary, they give time to Simeon who has lived for this moment and is well advanced in age. And he is sharing this blessing and they receive it. To me, that is one of the most beautiful things. And it takes me to those moments when I have sat with people way older than I am, aged, who maybe couldn't even hardly get up out of a seat. But finding a comfortable position or in their home surroundings could spend time talking about their life in the faith and encouraging me. In fact, as I think back upon personally my own life, the people that have influenced me the most, sure, the people that I ran with, the people who were my own age, sure, they contributed to my life, but the people who really gave guidance to it Many of those don't even live in this life anymore. They've passed long ago. But each one of them along the way made a contribution. And look around you. There are plenty of people yet much older than us sitting in these pews who've already fought a tremendous fight of faith for the Lord. 
Should we just ignore them? Or ought we not occasionally sit down and let them just share with us as Simeon shared this great blessing with Joseph and Mary? And I'm thinking also, well, this is the tough one, that, that we bless our enemies. But it's not just me thinking it because I want to have a list of things to say. This is what Jesus taught us to do. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and following, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, what's Jesus telling us to do? To love our enemies and to bless those who curse us and do good to those who hate us. Well, contextually, I can tell you he's talking to a group of people who, when they think of enemy, they're thinking of the Romans, who were an oppressive civilization, who had taken much from the Jews. And Jesus is saying, at least in that context, to them, those Romans that you hate, those people you despise so much, who are so abusive toward you, love them, bless them, do good to them. You know, Jesus lost a lot of followers when he taught like this. But Jesus wasn't about filling up buildings or mountainsides or having to get in boats to get away from crowds. That's not why Jesus preached. Jesus preached with the intention of saving people's souls because they had become so engulfed in worldliness and didn't appreciate what it is to love somebody. And in our case, to extend blessing to somebody that hates us. Jesus exemplified this attitude while hanging on the cross, you know, when he saw those very same Romans gambling for his clothes and said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. They who? They who are my enemy, they who they curse me, they who hate me. Lord, forgive them. Which reminds me then of two things I ought to be doing for those who are, quote unquote, my enemies. And when I say enemy, I'm thinking about those who are opposed to us, those who are not ours. I mean, they, they seek opportunity to do these things to us. There are two things in this text and then two things I think are helpful for us. And that is to pray, pray for them. But also to save them. Here's something that, and we're talking about older people. Here's something that an older person told me one time. He said, you know how to get rid of your enemies? And, you know, I'm trying to think deeply about how I might do that. And most often we think appease them, you know, something like that. No. He said, make your enemy your friend. Make your enemy your brother. You'll no longer have an enemy. This is not talking about affection. You know, you, you know, feel that warm, fuzzy feeling. Not that. But this is a change of will. I will seek their good. I will actively pursue it. And when I do that, what am I doing? I'm extending blessings. Oh, I know we're thankful. But are we thankful for what's coming in? Or are we more thankful for the privilege it is for us to be able to give out, to be a blessing, to extend blessings? Because when I give those blessings, whether they are directed to God or family, or a stranger, or the enemy, here's what I know what God will do in return. He'll give it back. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I got to trust God for that. But we are people who do trust God, right? And since that's true with us, we know that we will never, ever be in a position where we will outgive the blessings of God. If you're a child of God, that's, that's who you are. You're a blessing machine. You take it in and you send it back out. And the more you get, the more you multiply it. Good for you. But if that process is broken down for some reason, here would be uh, most likely the hindrance is the enemy. Uh, pray and save. How about that? If you're not a child of God today, but you believe Jesus is the Son of God, now's your opportunity to make a real difference in your own life. Believing He's the Son of God, believing that God raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. You can be saved by repenting, turning away from your sins, and confessing that faith, and then being buried in water that's already prepared right now. Be buried in that water, immersed, where you will contact the blood of Jesus Christ. Your old man will die right there, and we will see a miracle take place spiritually, the resurrection of a new man right before our eyes with hope of heaven someday. Maybe you fit one of those categories or maybe it's something else. If anybody needs to respond this morning for any reason, now's your opportunity to do it. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Just as I
song before the Lord's Supper will be the Lord's Supper. Supper, if you'll raise your hand, if you do not have the uh, Lord's Supper emblems, we'll get that to you immediately. I'd like to read this morning from um, the book, His Life, and it's about the blood of the Lamb, and several scripture here, so just bow with me, I mean, bear with me for just a moment. Blood stands as a symbol for life. Scripture declares, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life, found in Leviticus 17, verse 11. Sin requires death, Romans 6, 23. Therefore, Jesus had to die, offering his own blood to secure redemption, found in Hebrews 9 and verse 12. Let's give thanks for the bread. 
Our kind and loving Father, we bow with thee with humble hearts this morning, Father. So thankful for your Son, Lord Jesus. So thankful for his birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. Father, we pray that as we partake of this bread, which is his body, we would do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Let's give thanks for the cup. Father in heaven, we once again bow before thee in remembrance of your son. We pray, Father, that we will center our minds on the time of the cross, remembering the blood that was shed that stained the tree in which your only begotten son died for the sins of the world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now let us bow as we count our blessings this morning for all that God has given us. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for all the many blessings of life, these material blessings, all the spiritual blessings of your son. We just pray, Father, that on the lesson today that we'll just be able to give these blessings towards benevolence and towards all those in need, Father, and just further thy gospel in your kingdom. Thank you for all the many blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Thank you for being here on this beautiful Sunday morning. We had 165 in services this morning. Uh, The Golden Circle breakfast that was scheduled for tomorrow had been rescheduled for next Monday. So no Golden Circle breakfast tomorrow, Monday, next Monday, March the 1st. Uh, Levi Sweeney will be having surgery for a broken arm tomorrow, so we need to remember him in our prayers. Also, we've been informed that Lynn Coates, this is the brother of Philip Coast, passed away yesterday. Arrangements are incomplete at this time. Uh, and there will be no evening services in the building tonight, but it will be live streamed and you can watch it on your phones or computers. And that is all the announcements I have at this time. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this beautiful day and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. And Lord, we pray that what we've learned today, may we apply it to our lives and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, most of all for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.